0: What's going on, everybody? Elliot Shore Parks here with Matt Lombardo, new episode of the No Huddle Show. And for some of you guys that have listened to us for a while, you know that before we were lucky enough to have Matt come on, uh, back in the days when the per- podcast was just getting started, it was just me and Mark Eckel. So we have Mark Eccle here today. Um, for those of you who don't know Mark, uh, he covered the team. He's probably covered more Eagles games than anybody in the history of this franchise. Uh, how, how long have you covered him, Mark? And welcome to the podcast. Uh, welcome back, I should say.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thirty-two years. So I don't. I, I I I tried to count the games up once, and I forget what I forgot what number it was. It was a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, here's,
2: just, here's the only thing that you need to know about Mark Eckel, In addition to him covering the team for decades upon decades, he's written multiple books about the Eagles. On top of everything he used to write for the Star Ledger and NJ. dot com, and his most recent book, The Big Fifty, is such a hit that even my wife couldn't put it down last summer. Oh, no. So that's a testament oh. to the writer that Mark Eckel is and was. <laughs> Wow, I'm glad your wife enjoyed it. Wow, great!
1: And then right. it's, it's a great book to buy now it's with the Eagles in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm hoping sales go up. Um, exactly. So I didn't miss a game from '88 through 2005, home or away, Three pre-season or postseason. So that that that's so my goal.
0: And then you were, and then I was and you know, we were me and Matt were both lucky enough to work with Mark over the last two years or so. I would say, um, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, the, the, well, the funny thing is, Mark. So the first question I have to ask you is. Uh, so, how do you feel about the fact that you retire and the first time you <laughs> retire, the Eagles, Bowl. yeah, they're back in the Super Bowl. Well, I'd feel really bad if I, if they never went to one
1: when I was there. So at least they you know they'd <laughs> go to one when I was there. So I, I, that's what um, actually my my cousin um, sent me a thing on Facebook last week saying, "Yeah, they just needed to get get rid of you to to uh, to uh, get this far." And I said, "Hey, wait, <laughs> I've been to five NFC. camp. I, they, they've gotten this far without with me, so it's not like you know." They never made the playoffs when I wasn't there, but um, if, if they had never gone, I might feel a little like insecure or something. But they <laughs> start, and they're playing the same team, so um, and they're playing it. you know, what I kind of knew the Eagles were going to go to the Super Bowl when I found out it was in Minnesota huh. was, because the Eagles only go to Super Bowl like through, through, throughout 1980 because that they only that wasn't even it wasn't what it is, and it wasn't what it is now. But I mean, through the, through the last many years, right? Super Bowls have been in Arizona, they've been in. New Orleans, they've been in Miami, they've been in uh, Los Angeles, San Diego. Diego. Yeah, Yeah, right. Where where did the Eagles go? Jacksonville and Minnesota. (laughs) Right, probably the two worst places to have a Super Bowl. But anyway, at least they're there, and that's and that's that's the big thing.
2: Yeah, so, and I think that, Mark, there are a lot of parallels that you can draw from that 0 4 team and this team going into a Super Bowl against the Patriots. And, you know, Elliot and I talked about it a little bit, that that team back then, they, they weren't prepared for, even though they were at four NFC Championship games up to that point, they weren't prepared for everything that was the Super Bowl with the extended halftime. The second half seemed to really take a lot out of the Patriots. And I know that, you know, Spygate might have played a thing or two into that. But this team, there are seven players on this roster that have won Super Bowl, Chris Long and Garrett blunt were there last year uh, how much better prepared do you think that that experience from those veterans might make this particular group over the group that you covered in Jacksonville well I thought that team was ready
1: to be honest with you I mean I they handled it, they handled that week pretty well I was I remember Saturday night uh, before the game sitting in the hotel lobby with Corey Simon for it was just, it was just he, he and I in a little little Booth, um, they were ready. They were ready to play. Um, what what I remember most about the why they didn't win that game was just just mistakes made during the game. A, a penalty here, a drop pass there, a interception somewhere. I mean, they were. I mean, I, I don't think the men. I think they handled that week pretty well mentally. Um, yeah, you know, so I don't think that eighty. Now going from I I didn't cover eighty. I'm not that old, but. Guys, I talked to Ray Ray Didinger and and even guys on that 1980 team, Bill Berge, Those guys, they weren't ready. They were not ready for night and for the Oakland Raiders in 1988. They, they beat the Cowboys and that was the Super Bowl to to them. Beating the Cowboys was something they had never they rarely done. the Cowboys kind of owned them back through all those years. So when when they beat the Cowboys in '80, playing the Raiders was almost like an afterthought. So that that team but I think the 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 O four team, I think they just got a little I don't wanna um, I'm gonna rip Andy Reid now a little bit, but nothing. They wrong got with Al-
0: that. Yeah, welcome back.
1: <laughs> okay, right. Um they they did get out coached I mean Belichick and, and his people did a better job than Andy and his people that, that they 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 took Westbrook right out of the game, which was a big deal. Westbrook had a great season. I still think he's a great, great player. But New England was definitely concentrated on on number thirty six. They weren't gonna let let him do anything that day. And the Eagles really didn't respond well. And then um New England in, in the second half kinda like you said, the long halftime, that's an advantage to the coach that 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 adjusts better. And they adjust it better. So that was that.
0: So the question I wanted to, to ask you, and, and uh, me and you still talk, but I made a point of not, not talking to you. <laughs> Have you already asked me everything? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. But <laughs> I made a point of not talking to you since the Vikings game. because I wanted to get your take on the podcast. But So I guess it's a two-part question. My first would be, and I think I'm going to know the answer to this a little bit, but how surprised are you that, A, they're in the Super Bowl? And, B, what would you think of uh, Foles' performance against the Vikings? Are you a believer in Foles now? Well, let me say this first. Um,
1: you you nailed it, and I I texted you I think halftime of of the game saying you you really, and I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast because I you did get my text right. You and I did talk prior to my game, and I wasn't sure. You kept asking me who I like. I was going back. I didn't I didn't pick the game. I didn't I just I don't have to, so I didn't. And I didn't bet the game. Um, I didn't like the game. I didn't I didn't go either well, actually, I did. I teased the Eagles up to nine and a half. <laughs> I figured that was pretty safe. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, and I teased the Patriots down to two. So that, that worked out pretty well. Um, but I didn't like the game and you were, you were so confident. And I, to be honest, you probably got me off the Vikings as confident as you were that they, that the, a, the Eagles were going to play well. And that to use your headline case, freaking Keenum wasn't going to beat right. the Eagles. And he was terrible. Case Keenum looked like a looked every bit of the, of the backup quarterback thrust into a role that he wasn't ready for. Whereas Nick Foles looked like Joe Montana. So, I mean, that, that was the game. That was the game right there. Um, and, I, and I do think, and I, I hate to put anything on one play in a football game because there's, what, a 80-something plays in a game. Um, right. I hate to put it all. But the Vikings are up 7 nothing. They have the ball near midfield. Patrick Robinson's interception in return for a touchdown. I mean, from that point on, the Vikings really didn't do much anything and Eagles couldn't do anything wrong. So, I mean, who knows if that, if, if Keenum completes that pass and they get a first down and they drive and maybe get a field even get a field goal and it's 10, nothing, maybe it's still 38 to 10. I don't know. Maybe that's still the final. I don't know, but I just think that play more than any other thing. It just, I don't, it just turned a whole, it got the crowd back into it. It got everything. And again, I'm watching on TV, so I'm sure there it was even crazier, but,
2: you guys agree with that 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 one play
1: just really turned everything around
2: Yeah, the Patrick Robinson interception, I think, A, it tied the game, and B, it it sent the crowd into complete bedlam. I mean, you watch the game on TV, Mark, and it was a a really listless effort by the defense on that first drive. Four first downs by the Vikings. They marched right down the field, and then, you know, Patrick Robinson intercepts the pass, and and it turned the game on its ear. And I don't think that the the Vikings ever got the momentum back. And then later, I mean, I touched on this with Elliot on the podcast the other day, I think that the reason why I have a lot of confidence going into a Super Bowl against the Patriots if I'm the Eagles – is Doug Peterson's aggressiveness? I mean, you look at that flea flicker on a first and ten play from the forty-one yard line on your first drive of the third quarter. That's Doug Peterson to a T. And I think that while you look at the the pick six as the play that changed the game, I, I think the play that really summed up this team and Doug Peterson as a coach was that flea flicker, and that that kind of showed me that he was the anti-Read, and he's not a guy that's going to turtle up in a big game or against a coach that is on par or better than him.
0: What do what Absolutely. do you think? What do you think, mark of the job? doug's done because we haven't talked to you since before training camp and i mean really i know i was definitely on the anti doug kind of bandwagon i mean uh, not anti-anti but i was skeptical i know you certainly had your reservations how surprised are you by the job
1: you had to be and and anyone who tells you oh i knew doug peterson was gonna be no you're they're wrong they're lying Mm -hmm. Eagles didn't even want. come on he was their third choice we all know that they wanted adam gaze he said no he went to miami they wanted a second interview with Ben McAdoo. That wasn't just to ask him what he wanted for dinner. That They were, they were ready to – I mean, that worked, how great did that work out for the Eagles? They they kind of – they forced the Giants to hire McAdoo, who turned out to be bad, and he's fired already. And then they got Peterson, who turns out to be great. So, I mean, that – just imagine that. Imagine if – wow, just imagine the whole world would be different, right? But um, maybe the Giants are in this house now instead of the Eagles. But, uh, no, I mean, I, again – and I don't want to be like Mike Lombardi and say – Doug was the worst hire in 30 years, but it was a off the wall. No, no other. I mean, there were seven jobs open. I believe that that year, if I'm not mistaken, nobody
2: else interviewed him. Nobody even interviewed. He wasn't even on no.
1: anybody's list for even a, a rumor of an interview. So, I mean, yeah, Lori took a big, big gamble there and it paid off. And, yeah. and sometimes it does. I mean, you know, and, and to Doug's credit, I mean, the guy he, <laughs> he's, and again, you guys are, I'm not there this year, last year, you saw some things. You saw good and bad last year. You saw, you saw aggressiveness, but sometimes maybe too aggressive. Like, you know, going for it sometimes when he probably should have punted or whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But that's okay if you're going to be consistent with it. And he's been very consistent with it this year. And he's been smarter this. I think he learned a little bit from from last year. Obviously, um, what I what I think his biggest strength is though is nothing bothers him like it, it, yeah. he doesn't get. You know, if it doesn't work. You know, because every time you go for it, it's not going to work. I mean, that's, that's, I don't care who you are or, or what players you Things always don't – it doesn't bother him. He'll, he'll still do it. He doesn't. That was Andy's problem. You know, Andy would run the ball and gain a yard. Okay, we're not running the ball anymore. We only gained a yard. You know, stuff like that. He was so stubborn in certain ways. Where And that's, and that's the biggest fallacy. when, when you know, Everybody thought Doug Peterson was going to be Andy Reid 2.0. He's as far from Andy Reid as, as anybody could possibly be from anyone else.
2: Yeah, and Let me just ask you one quick thing about that, Mark, because if you remember back to his introductory press conference, he gave a really bizarre answer about how he would have handled the AFC playoff game differently when he was the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs. And I think it had something to do with the onside kick, giving the he ball actually, back to Tom Brady. Um, it, it seems like it's been a complete 180 reversal in terms of his in-game play calling, his in-game personality as a head coach. What do you make of that? Because it's easy to sit there during that press conference and say, as you just said, this is Andy Reid 2.0. But he's completely shed that label through the course of this season. Was that just him covering for Andy Reid? Or has he grown that much in two years into the role here?
1: I think he was very nervous that first press conference. Again, looking back now, now that I'm outside, you can look at things a little differently. Um, Because, again, last year I thought he handled his press conferences – Sometimes he he made scratch scratch your head with what he said, but you know, but he gives good answer. I mean, he he answers Andy wouldn't even answer questions a lot of times. Andy gave injuries and that was it. I mean, uh, whereas Doug gets the injuries wrong. That's what's always so different than Andy. The only thing Andy ever gave us was injuries. And you know, he was Andy was pretty on top of injuries. If Andy said a guy wasn't gonna play, he, he didn't play. If Andy said, Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gonna play, he played. Doug gets that wrong sometimes, which is fine. I mean, okay, I, who knows, right? But he's very I said this about Doug last year, Elliot. I said it to you a hundred times over the course of the year. There were times I wanted to go in there and just tear into him, and he would say stuff. And you and you did. He's he's the most likable guy I've been around coaching. You know, he's very he's a likable man. He really is. It's hard not to like Doug Doug Peterson.
0: So speaking of guys that maybe we've all been surprised by, I know Matt and I have talked throughout the season about the moves Howie Roseman's made. Matt wrote early on that he should be executive of the year. You've always been, and I think fairly so, anti-Howie. What's your take on that? I mean, do you think you were wrong about Howie? Do you think? I mean, what's your take on the job Howie's done this year?
1: I got. I mean, yeah, he did a nice
0: job. Um, I know that pains you to say.
1: Yeah, well,
0: I mean, <laughs> hockey during the Super Bowl. I mean,
1: everybody. Everybody from from Jeffrey Lurie to the last guy on the team, who you said was Isaac Somalo today, uh, <laughs> to the practice squad guys, everybody did a good job. You don't get to the Super Bowl without everybody doing a good job. So you can't. No one on the Eagles or Patriots should be criticized right now. They're in the Super Bowl. They, they they're at the ultimate game. So um, I got it. I don't think Howie woke up and got smarter though. I mean. Joe Douglas, I think, deserves a lot of credit. And I don't yeah. want to just – I don't want to take anything, yep. everything away from Howie. But Howie – let's look at Howie without Joe Douglas and Howie with Joe Douglas. And then and you make – and draw your own con- con- conclusions from no, that.
2: No, I, I agree. And I think that where Joe Douglas deserves a lot of the credit, and let me know if you agree with this or not, Mark. I think that the talent – acquisition throughout the course of this draft. I mean, you look at Derek Barnett, five sacks, monumental play in the NFC title game, high ceiling pick in in Sidney Jones, the connection with Alshon Jeffrey, bringing in Tim Jernigan. I think from a talent acquisition standpoint, we have to give a lot of credit to Joe Douglas. But um, my, my thought on Howie Roseman is you really saw him this year adopt the strategy of bringing in free agents that could be here long term, like an Alshon Jeffrey, and they flipped middle round draft picks for young players that could be part of the core, such as Ronald Darby, such as Jernigan, and they've locked up their long, their young players like Lane Johnson, like Zach Ertz, like Jernigan, like Jeffrey to long term deals. That feels like a really sustainable business model for this team to have sustained success. And that's well, not you know, anything that's- that Howie Roseman really did when Chip Kelly I mean, was he here did. before that. I'm
1: sure he did. He always signed guys to long-term
2: deals. Well, they, they, so. they they didn't flip the draft picks for, say, 24-year-old cornerbacks no. or for no. uh, a defensive tackle with Pro Bowl potential.
0: See, but I don't know if I agree with that because Howie, I think before Chip got here, was always kind of a go-for-it guy. Yeah. I mean, he had the dream team. Like, I, I can't think of right. specific examples in terms of trading picks. But Howie loves to trade. Howie right. loves. He, he's I mean, made he's made more-, made more trades than but anybody ever, else since. Ever in the history right. of football. He loves doing that.
1: He's a fantasy player. I hate to use – I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, but he likes doing that. He loves the whole trade this for that, move up, move down, do all that. I'm anxious to see what they do this draft because there's, he's very limited in what he can do with yep. only a, with no two. In, but, like, Elliot, you and I had this discussion just talking. I think they trade out of – especially now that they're picking – they're either going to pick 31 or 32. I think he gets out of the first round and, and tries to get a second and a third for, for his first.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But I think one move – um obviously that's made all these Howie moves look a lot better is the trade up for Wentz. Um, I know you watch a lot of uh, Packers games, so you're used to seeing good quarterback play. Uh, And you saw a lot of Eagles games this year too. How impressed were you with Wentz and where do you think he kind of ranks now? I mean, we used to have this debate all the time on the podcast. Where does he rank uh, in terms of, you know, assets and quarterbacks and and Matt would rather have Khalil Mack. So that's not true.
2: That's (laughs) not true
0: true at all. I was, (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so just to clear that up, Mark, I was I on the, the spot what? out of nowhere, and Elliot says, "Who would you trade Carson Wentz for?" And I, I this was in like week four, and I said, "Well, maybe Matt Ryan or Khalil Mack." It's not as if I would, and that was an on-the-spot type deal. I thought we were all saying who we would trade Carson Wentz for. Obviously, seeing what he's developed in, into, I don't think there's a player in the league that you would deal him for outside of maybe a healthy Aaron Rodgers.
1: Well, it depends if your team's ready. I mean, Aaron's thirty-four. And and Carson's what twenty four? So you're you're giving up ten years. I don't know. Would you trade him for Nick Foles? <laughs> the way Nick Foles <laughs> right right now. That's what I want to ask you guys about. If they win, and there's a there's a, I mean I think it's they got a very good. I mean I, I know the Patriots are favored, and they're favored because they're the Patriots. But if they win, if the Eagles win the Super Bowl. With Nick, if Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl, what do you do with them?
0: Well, here, here's here's a good question. So we talked about this on the last podcast, and you'll really appreciate this. This is a good hypothetical. But, all right, so let's say they win the Super Bowl.
2: Right.
0: And you would know this about – you would know the answer to this question more than anybody having covered the team for as long as you have. Do they retire Nick Foles' number? <laughs> they might retire him.
1: I mean, I don't know. <laughs>
0: what do you think? Um, I mean, like, where, where does he yeah. rank them? Me and Matt were debating this. I, like, I, if, I, That's what I'm saying to you. Can they – can they just cast him
1: aside
2: if he wins? Especially if – what, what if he's MVP? like What if he goes out and plays the same game he played against the Vikings? Well, I against think there's him. two two ways to look at it, Mark. I think that, number one, it all depends on what your medical staff says about the status of Carson Wentz, right? If, if, he's, he's if he's if fine, to ready to go week one, then mm-hmm. Carson Wentz is the guy, and you try to flip Nick Foles for a second-round pick or a first-round pick like you did Sam Bradford. See, but
0: do you – all right, but do you think – all right, and Mark, what do you – and I'll ask both you guys – Mark first. What what do you think his trade value would be? Because I don't, I kind of don't think it's going to be as high as other people do. You can get a one you got a Sam, first round pick for Sam Bradford. Yeah, but I think Bradford. the difference is I think that, and look, as as Mark will remember from our days of the podcast, I'm not a Sam Bradford guy, but I think the difference is Bradford is viewed as and because may still won't, be.
2: No, the difference was because Teddy Bridgewater broke his leg 11 days
0: from the regular season and the bye going to happen tennis. again. Exactly. That's what I mean. All right. But what I'm saying is if you're like, let's say you guys like you're would if would you if the Eagles were in a situation where they didn't have Carson Wentz and we're watching what Foles is doing and we're discussing that. Would you guys give up a first for Nick Foles? Who am I? Depends on my situation. I make up whatever situation you want. What I'm saying, though, is I don't think Nick Foles is going to fetch a second round pick. I mean, a first round pick. I didn't think Bradford would
2: either. Right. I mean anything can happen. I I wouldn't trade him that's, for the sake of trading him, but if but if you can replicate that strategy, there are going to be injuries, right? I mean, look even this but year, Sean Watson it's goes it's down in like week 4. If you're sitting there holding Nick Foles, if you're the the Texans, wouldn't you give up a second round pick for a reigning Super Bowl MVP? It,
0: I mean, a team, yeah. well, if you're the Texans, I mean, you have Sean Watson. But like the it's, Broncos it's, it's, sure. yeah. But the Broncos might be a team that would make maybe make some sense, and I only really have my boy Paxson Lynch on there, who I still I'm, I'm clinging on to hope for. But I mean, well, obviously, it's not. That's so all They may draft the guy. I think it's more like a
1: team like Matts, like like let's say I don't know a good team, a very good team.
2: Um, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt again in training camp. Yeah. Right, Matt, 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 Matt. Stafford gets hurt in uh, Detroit. I mean, right. uh, I think that that I think that's the scenario. The scenario isn't you flip him in March for a third round pick because that's what a team co- like the the Broncos comes offering. You'll no, hold you hold the trade chip until training camp when somebody but goes. You got to know
1: when Wentz is healthy too. Right. The worst, thing right. The, Eagles, the worst thing the Eagles could, could do is trade foals in March like for a draft pick now. And then find out Wentz isn't ready. They won't know if Wentz is ready by April. They'll, they'll know by July probably, right? I mean, right. on how his rehab goes and all that. And I mean, he could or could not be ready. He, I mean, there's a poss- worst-case scenario. Wentz could miss half
0: a year,
2: right?
0: Right, and I, I the other component to this is, um, for what it's worth, if you trade Foles, you do open up about $6 million in salary cap space. And I also think if – again, we're going on the assumption – although I'm not so sure – how much losing the Super Bowl would have an impact? If he is a Super Bowl MVP, I think there's there's obviously more pressure to keep him. But in terms of his value, what he did against the Vikings that game, I think already kind of upped it enough. Like, I think well, there'll be teams that, out there.
1: Yeah, but is he, come on, Ellie. This is all what he's done for me lately. If he goes out and plays against the, the uh, Patriots the way he played against the, the Raiders.
0: Yeah, all right. But let's say he goes out there and he throws one touchdown, no interceptions, and 250 yards.
1: That's, that, that's good in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I'd say so they against lose. the Patriots. Yeah. But they
1: lose the game, you're saying.
0: Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying though is like if if well two reasons. One, if the Eagles lose the Super Bowl, then I don't know how much impacts full trade value, but the fact that you would open up $6 million in cap space, I think would be attractive to the Eagles. But
1: you got to know to You, you got to know. You right, can't, right. You, can't you, make, you can't just trade well, them willy-nilly.
0: They, they do really like Nate Sudfeld. I'm just throwing so, that out there.
1: You you wrote a story saying that they should play him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I was wrong about that. But I, they do like Seth no, a lot. He
1: wasn't good, too. They, 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 they didn't play him. But I, I'm not well, sure. How
0: much much you think of Foles' success is Foles and how much is Doug? A
1: little bit of both. Obviously, Doug has something to do with it. Um, but, Nick, I mean, let's go back. Nick was, Nick was pretty good in 13, right? 27 and SEO the old 27
2: and 2. And what they're doing. And even in the playoffs, he threw for 195 yards on a touchdown and no picks, right? So... I think what's really happened here is Nick Foles has, you know, blossomed into what he was in 2013 over the last two weeks. And part of that is Doug Peterson has gone back and, you He's know, they went to some of those run kick. pass yeah. options. They, they are running the ball more effectively. They're getting great line play and they're running routes that Nick Foles is comfortable with. They've really uh, tailored the offense around him. I mean, yeah, like, like I started to say,
1: Doug deserves a lot of credit. Obviously any, just like Sean McVay deserves a lot of credit for Jared Goff getting better. Or you know every every quarterback needs a coach to help them along the way. I would think. I mean, some are just very good, but even even the great ones sometimes don't get coached as well, and that's why they don't get hit their hit their peak. But I mean, Nick still has to make the throws. Doug can't go out there and throw the ball. Well, you wouldn't want. I saw Doug throw the ball. You don't want Doug to throw the ball for Doug.
0: <laughs> but um, well, to kind of get back to get back to Wentz, because I really do want to have the listeners okay. get your opinion on this. What would you see from him this year? Obviously. Do you think he was NFL MVP, NFL MVP? How confident do you think Eagles fans can be in him going forward? And how much does that knee injury wow. scare you? A lot.
1: It scares me a lot because medical, is, it's, it's come so far. So that that that's the good thing. Uh, when guys got hurt like that 20 years ago or 30 years ago when I first started covering, it was very, oh, my God, ACL. Who knows if he if will ever be good again. They've come a long way with that. But, that, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't, I mean, and I don't even want to bring this up, but Sam Bradford is. Since we were talking about him, I mean, Sam Bradford was the number one pick in the draft, right? Coming out of Oklahoma, yeah. Heisman Trophy winner, had all the had all the accolades, had a good rookie year, one rookie of the year, had a similar year to Carson Wentz's rookie year, right? Seven and nine, same record. Although he right. won rookie of the year, I mean, he was he had a good. and he tore his knee, and then he tore it again. And you know, not that and God forbid he. And I don't, I don't, I don't win any. Oh, well, Carson Wentz seems like the nicest guy in the world. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. But I mean you don't know once you're injured you're injured i mean he'll you know what I'm saying you you can't yeah. untie your your aCL yeah. it's torn so
2: but and, I, think and I think that what it, what impacts him the most is what made him so special was his escapability from the pocket his ability to yeah. extend plays on the run and throw on the run and run uh, for first downs on third and eight that injury depending on how you You know, recover from it. There's a the physical, you know, element to it, and there's the mental confidence and comfort to throwing yourself back out there. And C, there's also the element of do you want him? Taking those same risks, knowing what can happen when you're diving for that extra yard. And if, if you are OK with that, you have to go into it saying, OK, don't adapt and don't change. For you as a franchise have to be comfortable with the possibility of him not being available for 16 games. And your boy, Chip Kelly, always said the best ability is availability. And I don't know now after this injury that Carson Wentz can replicate his same style of play and be available for a whole season. Well, you guys know him
1: way better than I do because you're around him all. I was only around him his rookie year, and they kind of kept him away. They probably still keep him away. But um, mentally, what? Do you, how do you think he'll react? I mean, that's because that that's a big part of it. Physically, I mean, his knee—it's going to heal. It's going to be—you know—it's all that'll be just like Bradford's. It'll it'll heal, and he'll be able to play football again. But will he mentally be
0: worried about that? knee, do you think? To me, I, I think it is a concern because. One of Wentz's best qualities is his ability to navigate the pocket and keep his eyes down the field and not worry about oncoming pressure. He takes hits and it's not so much the fact that he takes hits when he knows they're coming. It's the fact that he doesn't let pressure rattle him. And, you know, I would say this about anybody that got hurt It has nothing to do with Wentz's mentality as opposed to anybody else human nature is you hurt your knee like that and you're around, you know, eight guys that are 350 pounds. You're going to think about it a little bit now, maybe by week seven or eight, that's something that he gets over. But I do think that if he's rattled initially and he gets hit and it hurts and he doesn't get off to a good start. I mean, how could you not think about it? You know, like for as much as I was critical of Bradford, I mean, how could he ever be the same player? After
2: See, I, I, about? I think it goes the other way. I think that you know, he didn't make it even after throwing his shoulder down in Carolina along the goal line and make, taking an unnecessary hit that Doug Peterson and Frank Reich both pointed out of, hey, next time, maybe don't do that. I think that unfortunately for Carson Wentz, and this is kind of what made him such a special player, is I, I think he's still going to play the same way. I think he's still going to play with reckless abandon out there. And, you know, he might benefit from changing his style of play and maybe evolving into more of a pocket passer and a pocket threat versus being that more of a dual threat guy. But if you limit those, you know, plays on the run, is he the same special quarterback? That's the unknown. And, and Mark, I want to would love to get your thoughts on that because I think that in order for self-preservation, I think Wentz has to adapt, but I don't know how much he changes as a quarterback if he does. Yeah.
1: well oh, I remember going, I'm going to go way back in my, in my memory bank now to Randall Cunningham. If you, I, you guys were young then, but in 1990, right yeah. pops hit, knocked him out. And Rich Cotite was Eagles head coach then, and and he kind of put it on Randall like he went that other way. He didn't want Randall. He wanted to. He tried to mold him into a pocket passer. And that's when Randall he drew up those hats. If you guys, I don't know if you guys remember. I'm still scrambling. I'll be back scrambling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Randall. Randall took took offense to that whole. You. I'm not a. You know. This is what I do. If If you don't want me to do it, then then get rid of me. Let, Donovan let went the complete he, other he, way, right? Well, Donovan always had that. I'm I'm not a running quarterback, right? Even though he was, I mean, he was good and he was good at it. But Donovan Randall knew what he was good at. Randall knew. I mean, Randall had an arm like nobody I've ever seen. But he could also Randall ran for him was a thousand yards one one season. Nine, if, if you know, he had nine forty something. I don't know, and didn't play the second half of the last game of the season, um, which still bothers him. But uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean, if, you can't take away what Carson Wentz you can't take away half his game I don't think can you I mean that then he's not he's still good but he's not special if he's not doing those like, like like you said Matt his so some of his greatest plays came on third and long where he got away from what looked like a sure sack and made a great play out of it
0: so you know we talked about Doug talked about how he talked about Carson the Eagles do play a game in two weeks so What's your prediction on this game? Mm-hmm. How do you see it playing out? I know it's it's tough. It's a tough um, one to pick, but what do you maybe think some keys are and how much of a chance you think the Eagles have? Or do you think... Oh, Eagles
1: have have a, the Eagles have a very good... I mean,
0: I don't want to say it's... They a fit. better chance than they did in 04. I guess it was 05, but...
1: Yeah, uh, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to say to say, I picked them to cover in that. The line was seven, I think, then, that, that year, six mm-hmm. or seven. And they did cover. And I think... I'll, I'll, that's all I'm going to give you right now. I think the Eagles will cover. Um, will they win? I'll I'll text you as we get closer to the game, Elliot. You can say it. All right. <laughs> I, I. What do you think? They, some. Key, what do you think? T- some keys are. Well, not letting Brady go wild. Obviously, they can't
2: let Tom Brady be great. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Brady's you not going to give be, Tom Brady the ball with uh, a minute and a half left, <laughs> winning or losing. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Or uh, or or at least down two scores, so he can't. You know. Um, start quickly, obviously. I mean, you don't want to fall behind. Although, um, they had, the Eagles have fallen behind both playoff games, haven't they? Yep. Yep. That's interesting. Right.
0: And the Uh, Patriots fall behind her. I mean, the Patriots fall behind big in the Super Bowl. They fell behind, you know, fairly big to Jacksonville. So.
1: But I'm, I'm just saying that, so you don't want to get the, the Patriots are showing they can come back. Uh, and so the Eagles to a smaller extent, but I, I just, the Super Bowl is a crazy game in that. Like, like 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 you said earlier, you don't know how teams react that whole week. It's a crazy week. It's not it's nothing that you can. But it, see, the Patriots are used to it. They've been there right.
0: three to four and years. How, right? I I think that's a big advantage.
1: A little bit, it is. Um, but I mean, they have to the Eagles have to play I I mean, listen, I'm I'm not around this year, so I'm real. I'm way more surprised than than you guys are that the Eagles are in the Super. Bowl. I mean, if if you ask, and you you probably did ask me back in. September or August, I would have told you no the Eagles. There's no way the Eagles are gone. I mean, I don't think anybody picked them to go to the Super Bowl. You you no. picked them to the East, and I and I and I, and I thought that was like, oh, and they could. I think a wild card might be more realistic, but no one had them in the Super Bowl. Whereas everybody had New England in the Super Bowl. I mean, if if you didn't pick New England to go to the Super Bowl, it's because you were just trying to be different or you were looking for an upset maybe with Pittsburgh or or Oakland or somebody like like that. But the majority. New England was the favorite to win the AFC from, from day from – from whatever. I mean, they were the favorite. Eagles were – I don't even know what the odds were opening day, opening day on them going, going to the Super Bowl, but it was very high. So there, there is that. I mean – but with that said, they're there. And once you're and I don't – I hate those, this whole dog thing. I think it's kind of childish a little bit. But if it works for you, keep doing it. And it seems to be working. They, they, they love this whole wordy underdog image. So they'll, they'll play that to the hell the worst thing that could have happened was for, the, for for Jacksonville to win and maybe the Eagles may have been a favorite in that game then they right, couldn't right. use that then they couldn't use that anymore because and again you guys are there I'm just watching it on TV and reading about it on nj.com um right. <laughs> I mean they really taken this whole role right I mean this this team seems to be one that, Relishes this kind of stuff, like you know, we're the underdogs, and nobody counted. Everybody counted us out when Carson got hurt, and nobody gives us. A, they really seem to like really that seem really seems to work for them.
0: Yeah, it does, and I think they'll be wearing those masks in Minnesota. I think they're 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 still think nobody believes in them, even though I think a fair amount of people might actually end up picking them. But you'll have to text me your pick and let let us I know because I'm sure the readers I, are going to want to know for sure. I'll, I'm
1: not picking it's way too
0: soon. I, no, I, I, I know, but
1: when you when you do. I'll, if the the, the smart the people listening who, who are going to put money on the game, I'm I'm telling you right now I I will if if I had to put money down today I would take the five and a half. All
0: right, yeah. there you go, guys. That's the vote of confidence Eagle Sand wanted to hear. So I'll, but... I'll take five. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not taking the money line yet, but I'm taking the five and a half. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we really appreciate you uh, taking time. To right, come I, on to do. Have
1: this. a good time, Minnesota. Dress dress warm. I you know we I will. Covered, I covered the only other Super Bowl played in Minnesota back right. in uh, whatever year was the Redskins and when people's cars wouldn't
2: start in the parking lot. Correct. It was just so, I've never been it was so cold. Life. Yeah. Hey, right. one gonna, winner, do me though. a favor and uh, hit a, hit a golf course or two for me and get a couple uh, rounds in.
1: Yeah, it was, well, I can't now. I, I just had, I just had some, I had a little bit of operation done yesterday. So I'm a little, I'm, I'm on the I, I, IR for a couple of weeks, but after that, I will. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be cold guys. Just, that's all I'm going to tell you is it's, it's Minnesota in February is not a pleasant place to be unless you're unless you're going to the Super Bowl, I guess, right?
0: Well, well, the good news is we always bring the heat on this podcast, so we don't have okay. to worry about it being cold. But right. well,
1: you Minnesota. always okay.
0: you
1: you bring the heat everywhere you go. That's
0: Ellie, what Minnesota. I'm saying, right? Exactly. So we'll be good to go. So, good all right, Mark, want. thanks so much right. for uh, right. coming on, and uh, we'll no talk problem. to you later. All
1: right, take care.
0: All right. And for the No Huddle Show listeners, we will be having another podcast this week, hopefully working on that. But uh, thanks again to Mark for coming on and thanks everybody for listening. Matt, I will talk to you soon.
2: See you guys soon.